We want to talk about some things today. I've been talking about a twisted world for the last few weeks. I've got two more sermons after this one today as we talk about a twisted world. Now, we've t- discovered that Satan has, a, has been very uh, much busy as a literal person, uh, with, has developed a full strategy that operates in our world constantly. He also, uh, we discovered that he has tried to uh, uh, undermine the authority of Christ in every part of life. We also discovered last week that he wants us to blame God for everything wrong in our lives. And today I want to talk to you about the, one of the great lies he presents day after day. And that's that there's plenty of time. Plenty of time. I, I overheard this conversation. I'm going to tell you what. If you really want to watch reality, go to the mall and watch people. It is amazing. Not better than TV. I was, at a, I was in the store uh, yesterday, and I, I heard a couple talking. It was kind of humorous. They were, they were an older couple. You could tell they were kind of sweet, but they were, they were not. They were kind of like from here to halfway back. But all of a sudden, she said to him, there was a big sale going on. They were looking for stuff at the clearance racks. And, and uh, evidently, she found some pants that were a great deal. And he said to her, they won't fit. And she said, you got to get back to 38. <laughs> okay. We've had that conversation in my house. Anyway, but, but, no, wait, but, then, but then the man said, I love the guy. I looked at her just tomorrow. <laughs> and then she looked at him and said, why tomorrow? He said, because we leave here, I'm going to get me a big sandwich. <laughs> and I said, okay. Uh, plenty of time. We all approach life that way. We got plenty of time. We'll do that tomorrow. We'll do that next week. We'll do that some other time because we have plenty of time. That's what the devil wants you to believe. None of us know how much time we have or what the days hold. But to believe there's plenty of time when it comes to your salvation is a foolish thing. To misunderstand what God is doing today can end in tragedy. Satan's deception. There is plenty of time to to reach people and there is plenty of time to receive the kingdom invitation from God to be saved. That's his deception. He keeps telling people, plenty of time. Not today, don't worry about that. Ah, don't worry about today, that's all right. There's tomorrow. Tomorrow's only a day away. Tomorrow. I want to read to you from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14. As Jesus tells us differently. Let me give you the background. He is eating at a house with some Pharisees and uh, private private residents, and they've talked about the things of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is what can take place presently in our heart as we become believers, but also the kingdom of God is about what's promised in the future in a place called heaven and eternity. And so they've talked about these things, and he said some things, and he's, he's talked to them about their attitude toward people. Understand in Jewish culture, 
if you were doing well, if you were healthy and prosperous and doing good, you just thought God was favoring you and you were right with God. And if you weren't doing well, if you were struggling and didn't have as much and not as healthy, then something has, was wrong between you and God. You were not right with God. Now, that was our understanding. Now, this group had come together, and they were all pretty wealthy and prosperous and doing well. And Jesus talked about their attitude toward people who weren't. Now, here's what he says. He said, now, uh, all of a sudden, one of the guys got carried away, verse 15. Hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, what a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. Oh, that was a great statement. He's just listening to Jesus talk about the kingdom and how uh, it would be great to eat, that God's preparing a place for everyone one day that's a believer. And, and so this guy just got carried away. Uh, we don't know whether he was being sarcastic or genuine. We don't know that. But we know that Jesus had a response for him. When he said, it would be such a blessing, to eat, he's right, it would be a blessing to eat at God's table one day. Every day for the rest of eternity. Be at God's place. That would be awesome. Jesus said, as we replied with this story, a man prepared a great feast. Let's go ahead and say God prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. What does that mean? In this culture, you would send an invitation saying, hey, we're going to have a party. We're going to have a great feast. We want you to set, mark the date on your calendar, and then we'll tell you when it's ready. And so he sent out the main invitation. Everybody knew about it, okay? And they indicated they were going to be there. They RSVP'd. They said, we're, well, we'll be there. Now it was ready. All the food was ready, and he, you know, and now he says, okay, go and tell them everything's ready. But they began making excuses. One said, I have just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen, and I want to try them. Please excuse me. And another said, I have a wife, so I can't come. He didn't even bother to say, please excuse me. So this was their response when it was time to show up. Let me talk about these guys for a minute. These excuses, while certainly would be valid under different circumstances, they knew a date was coming, and they, once I, I bought a field, I need to go look at it. Well, the dinner was going to be at dark. You ain't going to look at a field at dark. It was just an excuse. Another one said, I've bought some oxen, and I need to check them out. Well, don't you check things out before you buy them? I mean, we don't buy a used car without checking it out. We want to say, let me drive that thing. And are you going to kind of try the oxen out also at dark? No. And the other guy just said, I got married. Uh, and these excuses are good excuses. Basically, the guys are saying, we don't think what you've invited us to is important enough to change our plans. We've got our life goals, we've got our life strategy, we've got our life dreams, and we're chasing those. And you are interrupting them with this kingdom thing, and we're not ready for that. And that is where the 21st century people are today in America. We are right there. Now, here's what I want you to get. The first point I want you to look at is the invitation to come to Christ should be intentional and urgent. 
intentional with urgency. Jesus said, now look what Jesus said. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, go quickly. Get that. Underline that. Circle that. Go quickly. Go quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Bear in mind, these are the ones that people thought God was mad at. These are the ones that the guys, if it was going well, thought bad about these guys that were living this way. It was because they were horrible and God had detached himself from them. And so now Jesus is saying, I'm telling you, the invitation is for these people. But he said, go and go quickly. The invitation should be intentional and urgent. He said, I want you to go specifically, intentionally, and compel people, invite people to come. And the word there is invite. I want you to invite them to come. I want them to know that I want them to be a part of my banquet. I want them to enjoy what I offer. I want them to be a part of my kingdom. I want to know they have the welcome mat out for them. It doesn't matter about their circumstance, their situation, or what they're going through. You see, he's saying, I want people to come to me. For I can do amazing things for them. He said, go invite them. Go quickly. Go quickly. Invite them all. Invite them all. People are deceived with false security today. With that invitation to go, why is it so urgent that we go today? And why should we do it intentionally on purpose? See, one of the lies and the deceptions the devil has brought into the church is we think there's plenty of time, so therefore, I haven't really got to talk about Christ to people. There's plenty of time. I haven't got to be real specific about inviting people to Christ. There's plenty of time. And really, it's probably not up to me anyway. Someone else will probably do it. Man, those 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 are lies. Hey, we got plenty of time. We don't have plenty of time. Oh, we don't. I'm convinced scripturally that Jesus could come any day. We ain't got plenty of time. And therefore, we need to act like we don't have plenty of time. There needs to be uh, something on purpose in our lives that somehow we're trying to point people to the kingdom. People, let me tell you why we should be so urgent. People are deceived by false security today around us in Floyd County in Georgia and from coast to coast and around the world they have a false security about being right with God and we need to kind of help them understand that's not true in a loving kind generous gracious humble way people are deceived with false security like this many people say I will go to heaven because I am a good person I'm a good person. I don't lie. I, don't, I won't steal. and I don't say bad things about people. And I try to treat people like I want to be treated. I'm a good person. I, so I surely am going to go to heaven. That's not true. Because no one is that good. No one. The only person that's ever walked the face of the earth that's good enough to go to heaven on their own merit is Jesus. And you ain't him. The rest of us have a sin problem, and we can't overcome it with our goodness. We can't be good enough to overcome our sinful condition. won't happen. Another thing, that's, I will go to heaven because I'm a good Baptist. I've actually heard that one several times. I'm going to go to heaven because I've been in Baptist church all my life, preacher. Really. I know 
We think sometimes as Baptists we're the only ones going to be in heaven. I know that. Because nobody else agrees with us. If they don't agree with us, they ain't going to go to heaven. That's not true. But something else is very true. Not all Baptists go to heaven. Same problem. We, got, we, we get confident in our affiliation and so forth. And then, you know, some say, I'll go to heaven because I'm just a real good American, man. We are a Christian nation. Therefore, I am a Christian. No, you're not. Uh-huh. And, but people believe this. If you talk to them, that's, you kind of get that's what they believe. And we have an urgency to say, that's not true. Let me tell you. Uh, our, our, if we put our security in our affiliations and our achievements, we're going to be disappointed. We are to intentionally explain the consequence of false confidence. I'll get to that in a minute. It's urgent because every day someone spends in spiritual darkness is a time of great danger and destruction for that person. The quicker they come to the light, the better off they are. It's an urgency. It's urgent because God said to go. If no other reason, because he said you go quickly, we should be doing it. Because he is our authority in our life. He's our God. And so he says, I think this is real important, that you go. Wherever you go, and Jesus said in the Great Commission, go as you're going. Go as, as, as you're going, share the gospel, whether you're at the tennis court, the golf course, the ball field, uh, the, the high school, the middle school, uh, wherever you may be, the workplace, the grocery store. Guys, I, you, if people will talk to you. Ask people how they're doing. You'll be amazed. They'll tell you their story. And the next thing you know, they may start crying on you. You get to talk to them. I've had people who don't even know me start crying. Say, man, I'm going to tell you what's going on in my life. I'm going, wow, let's talk for a minute. You see, as we go, there's an urgency in being aware that there's an opportunity. Maybe not every day. But more than we're realizing and more than we're accomplishing. Jesus said you go quickly because the need's great. There's people that are hurting and devastated uh, by a sin-cursed world, and they need to know the way out, the way up. So you go. Share the kingdom. Don't let opportunities pass you by. Man, we're going to be doing this um, next Sunday night at 5 o'clock. We're going to do our mission project for the community, which is basically going out and handing out information, inviting them because we want to invite them. Jesus said to his servants, go invite people to come to my kingdom. Now, we're going to invite them to First Baptist because that's how we get them to the kingdom. Hopefully, we can tell them about Jesus. But we're going to invite them to come. And what we're asking is kind of like we did Vacation Bible School. You come together, and, and we'll have just some places, some packets. You go and just hand out these, these invitations. Also, we're going to do a mail-out. And we'll need some help. Some people say, well, I don't really want to go out. I'm not healthy, or I don't need to do that, or that's not my thing. Well, you can come help Jim sort because we're going to send out about 3,000 invitations. So you'll you need some help sorting those in packages of 50. And so just come and, and help Jim. Or come and let's just go hit some, hit some doors and tell people we want them to come. Because they're not sure we want them to come. We're going to do that. At the end of the service, uh, there will be uh, uh, Paul and, and uh, uh, Laverne will be at the doors handing out uh, for Resolute, volunteer packages for the cards for the new year. And, and, man, we need you to plug in and get involved with it because on August 11th, Resolute kicks back in. Next Sunday, 
11 o'clock, 8.30 kicks back in. And we need to, we need to be aware of this. In, in September, faith's going to kick back in. We got things going because we believe we should be intentional and urgent about what we're doing. The second thing is this. The invitation to come to Christ should be inclusive to all people. Ah, <laughs> all people. All people. Look what he said. All right. After the servant had done this, he reported there's still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge, not just invite, urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. Wow. He said, now this is great, but now go find the rest of the crowd. Those that, that, that really people don't know what to do with and they're not comfortable with and they think God has abandoned them or they think God's mad at them. You go. Find those that are living in such darkness and such destruction. You tell them, you urge them to come. They may say, but I don't feel worthy, or I don't have something to wear, or I, hey, you urge them to come. You say, man, there's a place in the kingdom for you. There's, God's got something for you he wants to do in your life. He wants to do something incredible for you spiritually uh, and, and, and change your life radically. I mean, Jesus did this himself. He taught us this. We used to sing a song all the time. Jesus loves the little children, all the little children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. All people. Uh, a pastor one time was uh, preaching in his church. At that time, he was a student pastor, still going to seminary. And he got up in front of the congregation and he said, he was preaching on the cross and on Jesus and how they need to reach their community. And their community was in transition. Uh, different races were moving in. And, and he said, I want to say this statement. If Jesus did not die for everybody, he did not die for anybody. Great statement. He showed up the next week because he went back to this campus, showed back on getting his hair cut. And the barber said to him, why are you here, Preacher. He said, well, I'm going to preach tomorrow. He said, oh, no, they fired you last week. <laughs> Man, he said, what? Yeah, they fired you. You're not preaching Sunday. You see, we say, we talk a good game. But people that are different from us, we go, ah, you know, I don't know. I know God loves them. They may have a different color, different status, different situation. You know. Sin wrecks some lives more than others. There's no question of that. And sometimes that makes us uncomfortable. And we go, I don't know what to do with that. Because I'm telling you, the kingdom of God has an open door to everybody. There's nobody too bad. There's nobody too far gone. I learned this early on when I used to do street with some Friday nights in Atlanta. I will tell you, there's all kinds of people out at night in Atlanta on Friday night. All kinds. And you learn to tell them about Jesus. That he cares for them, that he loves them. I mean, Jesus, Jesus showed us this. He brought a tax collector into the kingdom. Nobody liked tax collectors. He brought a Samaritan woman in the kingdom. She was a social outcast. 
He brought a guy named Saul into the kingdom who persecuted Christians. Imagine that. Put him in jail. Basically gave his blessing on the stoning of Stephen. And yet, he had an invitation to the kingdom. I don't know about you, that's pretty incredible. He picked up an ignorant fisherman named Peter who had a bad temper. said, I got a place for you at the table. I want you to be a part of my kingdom. I want you to come to that great feast I'm going to give one day. I, I want you to be a part of what I do in your life today. That's the invitation. That's what it is. That's what it is. The last thing. Oh, and I say this, all people. We need to continually figure out how to do that. I, and I want to remind you, this is the last Sunday we meet together. It's been an awesome summer. It has been great to have the house filled in the summer. But remember, 30% of our people are gone every Sunday. How do you know that, Pastor? I read Facebook. <laughs> summer at the beach right now. Going, man, it's great. I'm looking at the pictures. <laughs> some are at the mountains, some are at the beach, some are at the lake. Hey, vacations, you take them. I, that's fine. But come over the next two Sundays, everybody's going to be back. School's back. Things are back. Football kicked up this week, man. Bands kicked up. Everybody's back. They're getting there. We'll go to 830 because we can't grow if we keep everybody like this. We're full. And we got to reach people. We're not through. We're not done. We got to reach people. To reach people, you got to make room for people. So 8.30, uh, I need some of you 11 o'clock people to come to 8.30 so we can have your seats at 11 o'clock because still 11 o'clock is about full. 8.30's got some room. I need you guys to shift because it's a kingdom mindset, not a convenience mindset. And so I hope that you'll pray about that and say, I need to figure out, maybe we need to come at 8.30 and, 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 and then uh, make room for and, and allow that to take place. That'd be cool, wouldn't it? That'd be cool. So I, I would say that'd be, that'd be what you want to do. Now, last point. Here we go. The invitation to come to Christ rejected results in opportunity forever lost. Look what he says. You've urged them to come. Now verse 24. For none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. Guys, that's a serious word. Please hear what I'm about to say. People live under the deception, I'm a good person, I'm a good Baptist, I'm an American, I try hard, I keep the Ten Commandments, whatever reasons we offer. And yet when it comes time to really surrendering your heart to Christ and coming into the kingdom, you have excuses. You go, well, I, you know, I got things I got to do. I, things are really important. It's not a good time. It's not the right time. I, I need to wait for a better time. I need to wait till I'm better. All those are excuses that don't matter. They don't impress God, and they certainly don't change his mind. The excuses are what you use to get out of making commitment. And, a, and if you don't make a commitment to Christ, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. Now, the devil would like to tell you different because he twists the truth. He says, all people are going to go to heaven. You know, here's what I know. Acts 4.12 says, there's no name given under heaven whereby men must be saved other than the name of Jesus. 
All right? Now, let me tell you, the door into heaven is Jesus. There's not another door. There's only one door, and it's Jesus Christ. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and life. He said, I am the door. And John, he said, I'm the door into the kingdom. If you're going to go to heaven, if you're going to be a part of God's kingdom here and hereafter, you're going to have to come to Jesus. It doesn't matter what denomination you belong to, what church you grew up in, what creed you live by. Jesus is the only door that gets you into the kingdom and into heaven. And you say, well, uh, the only path leading to heaven is Jesus. There's not many paths. The devil would have you believe there's a lot of ways. There's a lot of paths. There's this religion and that religion and, and this belief and that belief. No, no, no. There's just one path. Jesus said, I am the way. He's very emphatic in the Greek. I'm the way. The only op- there's not an optional way. There's not a, 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 an alternate route. There's not a spur. There's just a path. And, and I'm it. And so if you're going to go to heaven, you're going to have to take the path with Jesus. And the life bringing people to heaven. People say, well, I'll live good enough to get to heaven. No, you won't. There's only one life that will bring you to heaven, and that's the life of Jesus Christ. And when you come to a point of, of realizing your need as a sinner to embrace what he did to save you from the cross, you will embrace his life, his sacrifice, his righteousness, and that becomes your way into the kingdom. And there is no other way. You can't live a life good enough to match the life of Jesus. Can't be done. And I'm simply saying, as Jesus said here, there is no heaven without Jesus. That's just it. You can't get there without him. Don't care who you are, who you know, where you've been. You must have, there's no Jesus without repentance. That means to change the direction, change your mind of how you're saved. And without an act of faith, trusting and believing what God has said about you, about your sin, about judgment, and about the only solution, which is Jesus. That's God's only plan for you. Your only hope is in Jesus Christ, nothing else. My faith has found a resting place, not in device or creed. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. Guys, it's about seizing the moments because there's not plenty of time. It's about showing kingdom life in a way that draws people and lets people know they're welcome to the kingdom. I want to close with this story. I'll be through. We all, it's football season coming. We know what that means. Cheerleaders and banners and parents and all things coming. Can you imagine parents cheering for the opposing team and cheerleaders cheerleading for the opposing team and the competition? You can't imagine that, can you? But it happened. Football coach in Grapevine, Texas, Chris Hogan, coaches the football team of the Faith Christian High School there. He has 70 players, 11 coaches, quality equipment, and parents who care. They make banners. They attend. Pep rallies. Cheerleaders are awesome. And nobody would miss a football game even for their own funeral. Sounds like Floyd County, doesn't it? They had a... Dominant season, they were very good. Uh, they had a 7-2 record. They were going to play Gainesville State School, Texas, and it was uh, a 0-8 record. 
quite different from most of the schools they would play. Uh, the Gainesville players, by contrast, wore seven-year-old shoulder pads and last-decade helmets and show up at each game wearing handcuffs. It was a juvenile detention center. The parents don't come watch them play. And the only people watching are the, un- the uniformed officers making sure they behave. It's a maximum security correctional facility. They don't have a stadium. They don't have cheerleaders. And they don't have half a hope, half a hope of winning. But this Christian coach... thought they should do something different to reach and communicate these guys were special, that God loved them. They were valuable, and they had worth. He didn't think it was fair that they would play them in such a way, so he devised a plan, and he brought all his parents together and said, I need some of you to sit on the other side and cheer for the other team. <laughs> I need somebody to volunteer. 200 parents and siblings volunteered to go sit on the other side and cheer for the other team. They formed a 40-yard spirit line so the players could run out between them. They made a banner. They could break through. They'd never done anything like that before. They painted banners that said, Go Tornadoes. Cheerleaders half cheered for them. And they even learned the names of the players so they could cheer for them by name. People screamed for them and shouted for them. One of the linemen for the, for the facility, when asked what he thought, he said, People are a little afraid of us when we come to the games. You can see their eyes. They're looking at us like we're criminals. But these people were yelling for us by name. Made an impression. After the game, of course, the team lost. But after the game, they all came together for a prayer in the middle of the field. And one of the incarcerated players asked, could he lead the prayer? And the coach, kind of on that thing of, man, should I, shouldn't I? I don't know. What's he going to say? What's he going to do? You know, and he said, okay, go ahead. And here's what the young man said. Lord, I don't know how this happened. I don't know how to say thank you. But I would have never known there were so many people in the world that cared about us. Care has to be intentional. Has to be urgent. Has to be to everybody. Oh, the fans weren't finished yet. Prayer was over. They began to make their way back to the bus in their handcuffs. But as they made their way to the bus, each player was given a goodbye gift, a hamburger and fries, candy and soda, a Bible, an encouraging letter, and a round of applause. There's not plenty of time to do what we need to do. It's not somebody else's job. The amazing thing, the coach said he's noticed as they bus begin to pull off, Going back to the prison, the 
players had pressed their faces against the windows to get one more look at these people who cared for them. That's what the kingdom is all about. It's for all people. Intentionally. Urgently. Because what's at stake is eternity. And God's made it clear. If you don't come through Jesus, you won't go to heaven when his life's over.